Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little, and I'm here today with the 64th episode of Weekly Poker Hand. And in this episode, we are going to be going through a hand that I played in a 5,000 euro buy-in European Poker Tour main event. This hand is actually the third hand of the day, so we are incredibly early. This hand and the next four are going to be brought to you by my newest book, Jonathan Little's Excelling at No Limit Hold'em. And I'm incredibly happy with this book if you have not checked it out already. And if you have, please share it with your friends because I'm sure you are loving it. I got together 18 of the people who I perceive to know the most about poker and who can offer you the most unique insights. I am in a unique spot where I get to travel around the world and play poker at the highest levels with a very wide range of players. And in playing with them, I get to talk to them and learn a lot about their strategies. And I handpicked these players to be part of this project, and they can all add a huge amount to your game. Each author in this book had an individual chapter. So, for example, I learned a lot about Olivier Bousquet from playing with him on the high-stakes circuit in Europe, and turns out he knows a lot about heads-up poker. So he wrote the heads-up chapter. Um, We have other players like Alex Fitzgerald, who I only played with a few times, but I was very impressed with every time. And he has a large chapter on how he approaches multi-table tournaments. And there are a lot of other great authors involved, including Mike Sexton, Phil Helmuth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on. There's also going to be a live webinar that I'm going to do with each of these authors over the course of the next year or so. Each month, I'm going to do a a free webinar with each author and then a paid webinar with each author. And you can actually sign up for these free webinars at holdembook.com, H-O-L-D-E-M-B-O-O-K.com. Check that out. You can also get the book there. And there's actually a free bonus chapter you can get by going there and signing up to the webinars. So check that out. I am confident that you will learn a lot from this book. I know I sure did in the process of making it. In this hand, we are playing the third hand of the 5,000 euro buy-in European Poker Tour main event. We have pocket jacks on the button. We're playing 75-150, so very early in the day. It goes raise to 400 and a call. Asian kid raises under the gun. 50-year-old European guy calls in second position. We have 30,000 chip stacks, and it folds around to me after the raise to 400 and the call. And I decide to make it 1,500 preflop. I'm going to go ahead and go for full value. I think that I would actually not mind calling this hand preflop a decent amount of the time, mainly because you typically do not want to re-raise under-the-gun raisers because they should have stronger than average hands. But early in the tournament, I'm okay with re-raising this, especially just to see what's happening. And also, we are against a an Asian kid and... Quite often, you will find that Asian kids are more aggressive than the standard opponents. So I make it 1,500. You definitely have to stereotype a little bit when you are playing poker with no reads. Do not think negatively of it. It's just how the game goes. And if that offends you, I apologize. But you have to be smart, and sometimes you have to go off of very little information. So I make it 1,500. Both of my opponents call, which is not too unexpected. I do expect them to have reasonably good hands most of the time. So the flop comes... 6-5-2, two. two spades. A reasonable flop. I obviously lose to the sets, but besides that, I think I'm in reason, I'm in pretty good shape. 
So they checked me, and I'm going to go ahead and make a continuation bet. I bet 2200 into the 4700 pot. And this is purely for value. I think my opponents can easily call with worse made hands. And I think they could also call with draws. If I get check raised, I'm going to be pretty sick. And I think I actually have to fold, even if I have a read that someone may be loose aggressive. But again, we have to just, whenever I'm going purely on stereotypes, I'm never going to make a big read based on that. I think that's probably a mistake. So I bet 2200 And then under the gun player makes it 5200 And then the second position guy makes it 11500 and now at this point, I recognize I am completely crushed. And I think my hand pocket jacks here is actually somewhat irrelevant. I think this is a no-brainer fold. So then the question becomes, what if I had pocket aces? Would I fold? And I think the answer to that is easily yes, because pocket jacks and pocket aces are actually very similar in this spot. I think one of these two opponents is going to have a set or better. It's kind of hard to have a straight, but one that's going to have a set a huge amount of the time. I think I'm most likely against some sort of a... Or two ranges containing sets and good draws. So what is a good draw on the board? A good draw is um, the ace-high flush draw. Maybe ace-four or ace-three of spades. Then the open-ended and gut-shot straight draws. So like nine-eight of spades, eight-seven of spades, seven-four of spades. Um, Four-three of spades is obviously a straight. Although it's pretty difficult for either player to have it. But again, we are playing the early levels and we don't know much about our opponents. So those hands are possible. And then sets, of course. So I'm folding pocket aces. So next question becomes, am I folding 5-2? Five, if I happen to have 5-2, which I never do. But you want to go through the hand rankings and see at what point do I start having to be priced into call. And I think 5-2 is actually a pretty easy fold as well. 6-5, I think, is an easy fold. So pocket twos now. What do I do with pocket twos? I think that's probably close, but I think that that is, that is actually a fold as well, as nitty as that sounds. Because I think I'm going to be against purely good draws and sets, and I'm crushed by the sets, and I'm just barely ahead of the good draws. But notice I'm against two of those ranges, right? And that makes it way more likely that one of the guys has pocket sixes or pocket fives. So pocket fives, what do I do? I think at that point I'm roped into going with a hand. I don't like it at all. I'd be very sick about it, but I think I would go with it. (laughs) Although I I could be easily convinced that folding is the right play because... If I fold, I still have 26,000 chips. And if I call and lose, I'll have just stone zero. <laughs> and you really don't want to have zero chips on the third hand of the tournament. That is not what you are going for. So pocket fives could even could even be a fold. Pocket sixes, I'm definitely just going with it because then it's too likely I'm against someone who has pocket fives or pocket twos. But I think fives is right near the borderline. So anytime you are in a scenario where you are playing for your stack, and obviously I am once it goes 2,000, 4,500, or whatever, the Asian kid made it. I, uh, You want to figure out what your range is. That, that will allow you to play significantly better. Because you'll see a lot of guys, they get in the game and they think, wow, I have pocket aces, pocket aces is great. I'm all in. And then they're all out because aces is never good here. So you, you want to be thinking about these spots ahead of time such that they don't surprise you when they come up. And in this scenario, when it goes bet, raise, even a bet and a raise, you're sick with your pocket jacks. I don't think I can easily fold the flop. But when it goes bet, raise, re-raise, unless your opponents are absolutely crazy, you have to fold almost everything. And the reason for that is your opponents are risking so much at this point to win so little, especially given that you know you have, you have very little invested and two guys have shown a huge amount of interest. So I'd be folding everything, pocket twos and worse, and I think pocket fives is very close. So Asian kid does go all in. 50-year-old European calls off no problem. And 
50-year-old European shows 9-8 of spades for one of the good spade draws, and the Asian kid shows 4-3 of spades for the flopped straight plus the flush draw. So this is a spot where I actually think the 50-year-old European should have folded. Whenever it goes on the flop, bet, raise, you're, like I said, against a range of one guy who has a lot of sets and straight straight uh, sets and flush draws, which the Asian kid should have, and that crushes the 9-8 of spades. And then I certainly don't have to have anything great. I have all sorts of stuff. But you really are worried about the Asian kid. If he ever has a set, he's never folding. If he ever has a better flush draw, I don't think he's folding too often, but maybe he would. Uh, so may- maybe there is some merit in raising to make him fold. But once he jams it in, as nasty as it sounds, I think you probably... Ugh, I don't know. The guy got himself in a pickle, that's for sure. <laughs> you definitely don't want to be getting it all in with a 9, nine high flush draw when your opponent has a straight or set. So... Uh, not where you want to be. But I think the Asian kid actually played it pretty well, assuming um, he thought that I had a good hand or the 50-year-old European had a good hand. If he thinks we both have nothing, I don't love it quite as much because it's too likely we're going to fold. You'll find that in general, check raising the low card boards, like 6-5-2, is very difficult to defend against. So I like it as a bluff, but if you're if he thinks it's going to make us fold a lot, then obviously he doesn't want to be doing that. But on a board, this draw heavy, he's not necessarily doing it because he's afraid of the draws. He's doing it more so because he doesn't want the jack of spades to come off and slow down the action or the queen of spades to come and kill the action, as it certainly would. So say I had pocket jacks and I bet and he called and the other guy folded, turns a queen of spades, it's going to go check check every time and then the opponent doesn't win very many chips. So a reasonable spot to go ahead and check raise. Whenever you are very deep stacked, you want to check raise early in the hand. You very rarely want to wait until the turn of the river to check raise when you're check raising for value because it looks incredibly strong. And the last thing you want to do when you are incredibly strong is let your opponents off the hook. So be sure to check back next week for part two of this five-part series. And also be sure to check out Excelling at No Limit Hold'em. You can get that either at Excelling at No Limit Hold'em.com. But since that's a little bit long, I figured Hold'emBook.com would be easier. Just H-O-L-D-E-M-B-O-O-K.com. Check it out. I hope you enjoy the book. I worked really hard on it, and so did all the other authors. So um, let me know what you think. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends. That is by far the best way to help me out. Because if no one listens to this, I'll probably stop making it. So be sure to check back next week, and I will talk to you then.